Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. guest today on Song of the Soul is Debbie McLean. Debbie is a joyful person with what many people might consider to be a rough life. When she was quite young, she fell ill, and her young parents were unable to care for her, so she spent six years in the care of her great-grandparents. More recently, in 2000, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, a life-threatening and life-changing disease, yet her outlook is clearly upbeat and grateful for each day. Among Debbie's more delightful peculiarities is that she used to, as a child, play church with her great-grandparents, something that may reflect the centrality of religion in the pilgrim holiness sect she was raised in. Besides the music she shares in this program, she'll share with us some of her poetry. Debbie, welcome to Song of the Soul. Thank you. Debbie, I got to know you through my sister Sharon. How did the two of you meet, given that she's from southern Wisconsin and you're from down in Indiana? We met on the Internet. We were in a chat room with friends, and she came in, and that's how I met her. She used to sing to us in the room once in a while. I guess she must be an okay singer if you decide to become her friend out of that. Let me see. You live down in Indiana somewhere. Have you been a lifelong Indiana resident? No, I lived in Ohio for about 18 years. I was born in Indiana. When I got married, I moved to Ohio, lived there for 18 years till my oldest son was ready to get out of school and moved back here because my mother got sick and eventually died and went through all that. But that's how I ended up back home. (laughs) 
I guess that makes you a lifelong Midwesterner. Is there anything particular that draws you to or keeps you in the Midwest? Well, I have a variety of temperatures, which I love. I don't think I could stand, now that I have multiple sclerosis, I couldn't stand to be where it was hot all the time. And having MS has given me a great appreciation for winter. I used to despise winter because I didn't like the death of all the trees and the flowers and you know, but I've come to appreciate winter since the MS because now it's the best time of year for me. I can get around like I'm not even sick when it's winter time. So that's what Indiana has that I like is the changing seasons and it's never boring. You know, Debbie, I have to admit my ignorance here. I really know very little about multiple sclerosis. What is there about that disease that is made easier in the winter? How is it that that's the best time of the year for you? Well, I'm not sure it affects everyone this way that has MS, but for me particularly, mine is very heat sensitive. And so when it's really hot out, it affects the way I walk, the way I think. It slows me way down. When it's cooler out, like in winter, my thinking process is clearer I walk better, I function better when it's cooler. That's just how my MS has affected me. How long have you had MS, or at least how long have you known that you've had it? It was 2000 when I actually found out. For three years and five different doctors who declared me perfectly healthy, I looked for what was wrong with me because I knew something was. I was vomiting every day, I was stumbling around, I went to a specialist, like 500 and some dollars, to go into his office. He asked me to bend over and touch my toes and told me I just needed antidepressants. I said, well, keep your antidepressants. I'm fine. And I left. My eye doctor actually was the one who found out I had multiple sclerosis. He asked me a few questions one day when I went in because in October of that year, I think, he had told me I had perfect vision. And by May, the following year... I was seeing double. I would drive down the highway, and if a truck came toward me, there was one in my lane, too. And I called him back to tell him he'd really screwed up. (laughs) And when I went back, he asked me if I'd been hit in the head or if I'd been in an accident or did I have sugar diabetes. And, of course, no, no, no to all three. And he was looking in my eyes, and he said, Well, Debbie, I think you might have multiple sclerosis. During this time, I had an old cat, Mackie, who had died of anemia. And I, at the time, had anemia, and I didn't know you could die from it. And I had quit taking the pills for it because they cause other things to go wrong in your body. When he died, I took anemia seriously. I've always looked at it that that old cat died to save my life. Well, the day the doctor told me definite, yes, you have MS, There was no devastating thought of, oh, no, I have MS. My very first thought when the doctor said that to me is, I wish Mackie was here because I found a lot of comfort in that old cat. We were very best friends, very close, and that was my first thought. If he was here, I'd be all right. And I went through bouts of depression here and there, nothing prolonged or too severe, but it's more missing what I've lost or what I can't anymore grasp a hold of than the disease itself. You know, I'm pretty forgetful now, and that's been a real hard thing for me because I used to remember absolutely everything. 
So it's been difficult to get used to, but that's the worst thing. I can still walk, so I feel pretty blessed. Well, Debbie, maybe we should move on to your music. For your first song, for your Song of the Soul, you chose The Rose by Conway Twitty. So why did you choose this, and how does this fit into your spiritual path, your journey, your spiritual beliefs? Well, I feel like The Rose represents my life. The hard times and the easy times, winter being the hard time of life, and the rose in the song gets covered in the winter by the snow. And sometimes we get covered by problems in our life, but we can always come out of it if we have the right outlook. And so that's kind of why that song is special to me. It gives me the hope that I can come out of anything. What's your religious or spiritual background, Debbie? You know, how did you grow up and where are you now? I believe in God. I at one time was way more spiritual, in quotes, than I am now. I used to be a minister of music in a Pentecostal church, but Pilgrim Holiness was my upbringing. I got a little bit disillusioned, I guess, with the religious thing, and uh, that's all I'll say about that. But I do believe in God. I think we reap what we sow, so I think we should always do our best and treat everyone the best we can. The scripture I was looking up this week was what Jesus said when he said, Love God with all your heart, mind and soul, and your neighbor as yourself, because on this is fulfilled all the law and the prophets. That's kind of how I feel like I want to live my life. So when did you run into this song, The Rose? Probably around 2000 was the first time I had heard it. Was that after you found out that you had multiple sclerosis? Yes. Yes. And it just kind of clicked with me that that was my life. I try to keep a positive, positive outlook. I've found positive things. This disease has slowed me down. I have to take more time, which gives me more time for the more important things. And it's cut out a lot of unnecessaries in my life. I make each thing I do count now where I didn't before. So I've cut out unnecessaries and honed the necessaries down. It sounds like you've chosen an excellent way of coping with it. Well, let's listen to your first song of the soul. It's The Rose, performed here by Conway Twitty. Some say love It is a river And that it drowns The tender reed And some say love It's like a razor And that it leaves Your soul to bleed Some say love It is a It's the heart 
Since we're talking about roses, I was wondering, are you a gardener? I used to be a very avid gardener. We had 150 tomato plants, the last garden I did. I love to garden because I grew up gardening. I taught my husband how to garden. So is he your manual labor when your MS prevents you from getting out in the garden as much as you'd like? Yes. (laughs) And he works a lot. So... Usually it's just me, and that's why we haven't had a... Oh, we had like four tomato plants this year. That's a far cry from 150. (laughs) Wow, that is quite a bit of downscaling. Your next song is called Choices, and I'm presuming that you had to make a whole lot of choices to accommodate your MS. Yes, definitely. What are some of the other things that you've had to choose to do or to not do because of your illness? Well, I don't work anymore because I realized that I'm too forgetful. I can be driving down roads I've driven on my whole life and all at once realize I'm lost. I don't know where I am. And so it's how you look at things that happen to you. You know, yes, I have this disease that's going to be with me the rest of my life, may eventually take my life, but I'm in control of it right now. And that's the choices we have to make. At the end of the day, it's our choice with what we have to live with. And that's why this song spoke to me. Well, that says it pretty well. Debbie's next song here is Choices. It's by George Jones. Mm -hmm. 
I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today, living and dying with the choices I've made. I was tempted by an early age. I found I liked drinking. Oh, and I never turned it down. There were loved ones, but I turned them all away. Now I'm living and dying with the choices I've made. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today, living and dying with the choices I made. Guess I'm paying for the things that I have done. If I could go back, oh Lord knows I'd run, but I'm still losing this game of life I played, losing and dying with the choices I've made. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, I wouldn't be here today, living, dying with the choices I've made. Living and dying with the choices I made. Debbie, when I was talking to you earlier, you mentioned your grandparents and the immense effect they had on your life, including on the varieties of music you like. They helped widen your taste in music. Were your grandparents particularly influential in the whole of your life? Oh, they were the most important people in my entire life. I got sick shortly after I was born, and my parents were young, and they couldn't make me better. So my dad, knowing that Granny and Pap could, which they were his grandparents, my great-grandparents, he took me down to them and because they were young they left me there for six years (laughs) I got better and when I was a teenager I really resented that but as I grew older and understood the way of life I realized I had the very best of both worlds 
before my mother died, she was laying in bed one day and she called me over and she apologized to me that she wasn't a better mom and this and that. And I said, Mommy, you know, you did the best you could do at the time. And I said, looking back, we both know that was the best thing for me. She started crying and I started crying because I love my mom. I admired her. She was tough. She was the toughest woman I've ever known in my life. It was a big blow when I lost my mother. It was in 2000. Wow, that must have been a really big year because that's the year your MS was diagnosed as well. Well, let's go on to your next song, your third song in your Song of the Soul. It's called Row Us Over the Tide. Now, this is a song that I didn't know before. Where did you run into it? That was the first song my granny played on the organ to me, and we would sit and sing that together. And when you say granny, you're actually referring to your great-grandmother, right? Great-grandmother, yes. Well, that's just where I learned the song. Pap and Granny and I would sit around in the evenings and munch pieces of apple or eat popcorn, and we would play church because that was just what I did. So I would, like, lead a prayer meeting or, you know, get us to singing songs or something. And uh, this was one of the songs that Granny taught me during that time. And we had a good time. Everything we did was fun. I think I was new life to them because they were almost 70 years old by the time I came along. And they were really, really patient with me. And I was the type of child, that's what I needed. At the time, I didn't understand why my mommy and daddy weren't there. But Pap and Granny made life so fun, I didn't miss them. It was rare that I fell back into, well, where's my mommy and daddy? And the older I got, the more I saw I had the best of those two worlds. And in the end, I had my mother back. I couldn't ask for more. What is this song specifically about? Well, it's about two little children whose loved ones have passed on, and they come to the boatman, and they want him to take them to their loved ones that have passed on. And this is one of the songs that you sang when you were playing church with your great-grandparents. Yes. I've never heard of anyone playing church before. I've heard of people playing school and lots of other things. But playing churches, this must have been quite a different upbringing. Uh, well, we trusted in God for everything. I mean, we had prayers at night. We all got on our knees and said our bedtime prayers. We prayed before meals. Uh, We went to church every time there was church, which was Sunday twice and Wednesday night. My granny never wore short sleeves, never wore pants. She didn't really want me to, but as I got to be a teenager, I wanted to because everybody else was, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. It was just, that's just what we did, you know. There wasn't a question of, oh, we don't have to do this, do we? It's just what we did. Those were things we enjoyed doing. And we played church a lot. We would read the scriptures, and and I think they did that more for me to make it a game so I would enjoy it. So I would get the stool and the Bible in front of me, and I would get to read the scripture, and then we would discuss the scripture. And it was like a game more than it was doing it, you know, but it instilled good things in me. What can I say? (laughs) How much of that have you carried with you into your adulthood? Um... Do you still pray by your bed or anything like that? No. I talk to God, but now it's more like 
he's my friend. He's always there, and I know he's always there. I don't formally kneel down and pray. I probably couldn't get up if I kneeled down. <laughs> but if I really need help with something, I'm like, hey, God, how about giving me a hand with this, that kind of thing. I just talk to him now, anytime, anywhere, doesn't matter where. It's more like a friendship instead of a formal getting on my knees praying type of thing. Well, let's listen to the song. It's a song that our guest, Debbie McLean, used to sing and do as part of playing church when she was a child. It's called Row Us Over the Tide. Uh, This is a special old-time version. It's by Kelly Harrell and Henry Norton. listen to a lot of old-time music like that? Yes, I do. What kind of collection do you have? Oh, all kinds. Most of them are on cassettes, which I can't put on my computer. And once in a while I run into a really good one on my computer. 
Yeah, I listen to a lot of music. Music is part of my life. I used to write a few songs. and. Well, I guess I had heard that you wrote poetry, but I didn't know that you actually wrote some songs. Is it possible that you'd be willing to share some of your poetry with us now? Um, yeah, I would be glad to, in fact. Uh, let me see what I have right here. I had a couple out here. Okay, this one that I'm going to read, I would call it Beyond the Glass. When I got diagnosed with MS, this was the poem that came out of me. Beyond the Glass. The darkness falls. I try to grasp the light, but darkness prevents me. The world, a cold, callous place for those who cannot feel. Beyond the glass. Beyond the glass, I see happy, smiling faces. Lovers kissing, friends touching hands, all beyond the glass. I reach to touch them. The glass shatters. My dreams only a fantasy. Beyond the glass, there is no future. Beyond the glass. It doesn't sound like that was at one of the very upbeat points in your progress when you're dealing with your MS. I don't think I was, but I got it out of me, see. And that's kind of how I've always dealt with things in my life. I write them down and get them out of me, and then I can go on. I kind of just write it down and let it go. This must have brought along major changes in your family major copings in your family. Can you talk about that at all? Well, I think it was harder on everybody else than it was me, especially for my oldest son, because he and I are super, super close. I mean, when you find out your parent has a terminal illness, and by terminal I mean one that's not going to go away. I want to mention that life is a terminal illness, you know. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And most people don't realize that. They don't think about tomorrow. And this has forced me to think about tomorrow. It's been good for me in a way, in a sick sense of way, I guess. But it's made me minimalize things and maximize others. And I tell my children all the time I love them. But now they know their mother loves them. It's affected my family in that way. And my father, it's affected. He thinks I can't do anything anymore. It's like, Dad, (laughs) give me a break. I'm okay. And uh, I had to have a talk with him one day. You know, Dad, this isn't the worst thing that could happen to me. I'm going to live just not like I used to. (laughs) And the sense of loss at that, it can be great if you dwell on it, but I try not to dwell on it. So my family's done pretty good. They sometimes forget that I'm forgetful, but for the most part, they've dealt with it. They're doing good. Well, do you have any more poetry that you'd be willing to share? Um, yes. Okay, The Blue Rose. I wrote this for a friend, and it's about friendship. Like a blue rose is friendship between two hearts. It is fragile and rare. And like the blue rose, must be nurtured to retain its brilliance and beauty. In the morning of life, it is caressed by the dew and holds its head high. The midday of life, it is kissed by the sun, a wondrous thing to behold. But in the twilight of life, it is sweetest, and none can surpass its fragrance as it passes into the night to be held 
forever in the palm of the universe. You, my friend, are my blue rose, forever in my heart, a wonder to behold. Thank you for that ode to friendship. If people wanted to see these poems, read these poems, are they published somewhere out there in the world? There are a few of my poems online. It's at lovepoetry.com, and you look up D-E-B-I-L-M-C-C as the author, and that should show the poems I have online. So again, people can find a couple of your poems out there at the site lovepoetry.com, and they have to look for the author's name as Debbie, that's D-E-B-I space L-M-C-C. Well, let's get on to the remaining songs for your Song of the Soul. The next one is called Truly, Madly, Deeply. Why did you choose this one for your Song of the Soul? I think that's one of the greater love songs that have been written. And I think when you love someone, that's how you feel. It speaks my heart when it comes to love. So is the love you're talking about the kind of love between husband and wife or with children or love your neighbor? It's husband and wife love. Well, how long have you and your husband been together? Thirty years. (laughs) Most people don't believe that because they think I sound like a kid. But no, it's been thirty years. Is your husband your soulmate, your true spiritual partner? I think we're soulmates. I mean, he has thoughts and I finish them, and I have thoughts and he finishes them. The day we got married, I remember standing in front of the preacher, taking our vows. It was like someone whispered to me, you know this is forever. Think about this, you know this is forever. And then I said, I do. Well then, let's listen to the song. It's Truly, Madly, Deeply, and it's by the group Savage Garden.
Savage Garden. The song is Truly Madly Deeply. You're listening to a Song of the Soul interview with my guest, Debbie McLean, and my name is Mark Helpsmeet. Debbie, I know that you have a lot of friends uh, via the internet, people like my sister Sharon. The next song that you've chosen by Sarah McLaughlin, which is called Angel, I was wondering if the angel in this song might be the kind of angels that we have in our life, the people around us who support us, who, you know, just help us get through things. No, that's more of a personal song for me. That one gave me encouragement when I needed it. We all go through times when we are sad for whatever reason. Maybe you've lost someone, or maybe you're sick like I am, or, you know, have troubles. And this was a time when I was having a little bit of trouble, and this song just perked me right up and encouraged me. So that's why I like this song. I think that many people think differently about angels. 
Growing up, I was Catholic, even though I'm Quaker now, and growing up, I had a kind of a literal belief in kind of angels with wings, the guardian angels who were supposed to watch us. Do you believe in angels? Well, I believe in angels with wings, but I also believe God sends people to be angels sometimes, too. God gives us what we need when we need it. And whether it's human or angelic or even animal. You know, I've had some animals in my life that have meant an awful lot to me that were there just for a short time, but they fulfilled a need that I had in my life at the time. And they became very special to me. So I think it's all that. In fact, Debbie, the word that we know as angel is actually from the Greek word, which means messenger. And so, really, anytime anyone brings us message from God, they are quite literally an angel. So let's listen to a woman who really conveys that sense of the spirit with her voice. That's Sarah McLaughlin, and the song is Angel. Spend all your time waiting For that second chance For a break that would make it okay There's always some reason To feel not good enough And it's hard at the end of the day I need some distraction
guess it's time to move on to your last song for your song of the soul debbie i think i have an intuition of how this song might fit in your spiritual journey but why don't you tell us the song is live like you were dying by tim mcgraw well i think all of us should live every moment as if it were our last every single day tell the people you love that you love them in case you don't have another opportunity to do that And that's the way I've been my whole life. You know, tomorrow may not be here. We have today. Make the most of today. And I think that's what he's saying in this Live Like You Were Dying song. Make the most of each moment you have because you may not have any more. Don't hold anger. Get over your little trivial upsets with people. My sons would get mad or I would get mad at my sons, but I always told them I loved them. I think that's very, very important. Yes, we have differences. They're adults now, but they still know mom loves them no matter what. Does this also mean we shouldn't have a savings account for our retirement? No. (laughs) You should prepare for the future, but don't depend on the future because we may not have a future. If we do, God bless us. That's wonderful because my great-grandparents lived... Pap was 96, Granny was 91. That's a long, long life. And they prepared, but not so much that that was their only focus. I think they lived each day as if it would have been their last. I think that's probably where I got that. They told me every day they loved me, not only in words, but in deeds too. That really makes you feel really, really special when somebody loves you that much. And I would hope everybody listening has at least one person that loves them that much. Do you have a special community, a spiritual community or otherwise, around you right now that helps care for you, which helps carry the concern for your well-being? No, I just don't. When I moved here, I was too busy taking care of my mom and or my cousin first and then my mother to get involved with any churches. And uh, by having a bad experience in the Pentecostal church we were in, I wasn't looking for that anymore. I knew I could love God without being in their structure. 
and that God would love me without me being in their structure. Not to say that people shouldn't go to church because I think they should. If that's how they believe, then that's what they should do. I try not to put my beliefs on anyone else because I think our beliefs are between us and God. That's who we have to answer to. That's who it should be with. It's good if you can find somebody to discuss things like that with or have fellowship with or whatever you want to call it. But if you don't have that and it's just you and God, then that's enough. Let's assume that there's someone from the Pentecostal Church who's listening to this program and... You know, there was a breakdown in your connection with the church. Is there some advice you could give to them, to people participating in the church, that might prevent problems in the future? Not as a critical thing, but as a constructive, helpful thing. I would say follow God and not man. And you feel like the breakdown between you and the Pentecostal church was the following of men? Yes. I think that... The pastor we had at the time was very charismatic and people depended on him more than they depended on God. When my grandma died, it really affected me because he told me not to grieve because she was in a better place. And that's fine. I understood that. You know, I know my granny went to heaven. But at the same time, God made us human so that we would have these emotions. And I think we do go through grief, whether it's grief at the loss of a person, grief at the loss of our health, grief at the loss of a pet. And I think God put that in us for a safety release. It's a release that comes out and we can move on from that. And I think we just have to live like we're dying because we are, whether it's 90 years from now or one day or one hour. If you are conscious of that and live every waking moment as if it were your last, you're going to sift out the non-essential things and do the most important things. Well then, let's listen to the song. This is Live Like You Were Dying by Tim McGraw. I was in my early forties With a lot of life before me When a moment came that stopped me on a dime I spent most of the next days Looking at the x-rays Talking about the options And talking about sweet time I asked him when it sank in This might really be the real end How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? And he said I went skydiving I went Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.7 seconds On a full name Blue Manchu And I looked deeper And I spoke sweeter And I Forgiveness I've been denying And he said Someday I hope you get the chance To live like you were dying 
that I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't And I became a friend a friend would like to have And all of a sudden going fishing wasn't such an imposition And I went three times that year I lost my dad Well, I, I finally read the good book and I Took a good long hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again And then I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fumanji And I looked deeper and I And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you would die. Like tomorrow was a gift and you got eternity to think about what you do with it. What did you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? Debbie, we've come to the end of your Song of the Soul. I was wondering if you had just one more poem that you'd be willing to share with us. Yes, I have one about my cousin. It's about when he passed away. In the chair I found him, slumped over as if asleep. The sleep a thousand times past I could have roused him from, but not this time. His hand still clutching the receiver to bid me come, but I was too late. I didn't hear his call. And now he's gone forever to that place he calls home. My heart stays here grieving, lonely for his voice, his laughter, the soft caress of his soul touching mine. Across these eyes a pale mist forms, my mind revealing I am not alone as Emirate.
Death walks beside me, holding my cold hand, bidding me come, come to the forbidden place where all are cast alone, their only remembrance the carving they made on this granite stone we call our hearts. I plunge the knife deep, piercing the core, feeling life ebb slowly away, escaping vanity into nothingness, peace and nothing more. I listen to the wind as it gently blows, leaves on the trees rustling, sharing the kiss of the breeze, grass in the field swaying back and forth, feeling the wind's caress. I listen to the wind as it blows from the north, whistling through the branches of the silent wood, howling as it tries to rip away the long dead. I listen to the wind, my friend, because it carries our dreams, our pleasures, and our pains. It carries them high, sets them free, and brings them back to us again to fill our soul with longing and desire to carry on. So listen to the wind as it sets you free, as it carries your dreams. I really appreciate you sharing your poetry, Debbie. That one seems particularly appropriate to end our show. And thank you for sharing both your trials and your joys as you've dealt with your MS. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. You've been listening to a Song of the Soul interview with Debbie McLean. You can hear this interview again, hear other interviews, and see links and information about the programs via my website, northernspiritradio.org. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM Radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at usa.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul. You can be So